0: hey guys welcome to my podcast um it's been a long time since i i actually um recorded a uh an episode i think the thing is life just has been happening life has been happening i've also been trying to get the motivation that i needed to do this uh, mostly because uh it's just been like a whole roller coaster since the beginning of the year, and I know i've been able to do a few things during the the year, but I think this it's just been a huge roller coaster and I've had to put my mind around uh the things that are important and the things that um completely matter to me and this is one of them so yeah it's uh been a while, but i'm glad that i'm back and uh today, I have an exciting podcast i think it is exciting for me at least <laughs> um so you know i have been reading five books at a go i know crazy uh, so i'm gonna tell you the books i've been reading i've been reading um one becoming by michelle obama <laughs> i know very exciting i've been meaning to get at it for the last two years but i'm finally here um i'm also starting on her husband's book, yeah, Barack's book, um, Promise La- a Promised Land. Um, I'm also reading A uh, Gutsy Women by, um, Hillary Hillary Clinton and her, and her daughter Chelsea Clinton. And I'm also reading The Dance of Anger by a PhD therapist called Harriet. I forget her second name, and I'm reading. Um, Another, also like I've been reading two books that are basically self-awareness books, which is very rare for me, but I'm also like at a point in life where I'm trying to truly discover who I am and who I can be and what better versions of myself lie out there. So I was introduced to a, uh, a book by a friend of mine that's kind of like a self-help book, but with a lot of practice lessons and everything, and it's been quite eye-opening for me. So yeah, so that's me reading five books at a go. I know, crazy. So I have to, kind of like be very, 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 um, uh, like careful about um, how I allocate time and everything. But also the thing that I had realized, I was not reading for a while. I was actually an avid reader up until like three, four years ago and um so there are a lot of things happening then in my life a lot of changes and i just lost track of reading i think just the psych for reading just went and at one point i realized it is a choice that you make to make time so now i make the time i say at least let me dedicate at least 30 minutes of my day 30 minutes of my day to read a chapter or two or three or four, but it will still be very helpful because I can spend those 30 minutes really scrolling on Instagram or something like that. That doesn't really make sense at the end of the day, but I could also spend those 30 minutes each day or more, depending on how sleepy I am because I do it at night uh, and read something that will be, that will add to my life. So anyway, so let's get right into it. So I'm reading Michelle's book, um, Becoming. You know, Mitch is my friend. She just doesn't know it. (laughs) And I got got, um, this book as a gift on my birthday from a group of my friends. Absolutely grateful that they were able to gift me. You know, gifts are so meaningful. You know, when you give somebody a gift, I always say, let me... Let me if I'm gonna give you a gift. Let me at least know a part of you that will resonate with that gift. So I was so glad that they did. Even the book from uh for Barack was also from two of my friends, and I'm also very grateful just to be able to be gifted life changing books. So anyway, so I've been reading Michelle's book, and I've been learning a lot in the process. So um I have this little st- a sticky note pad that I write the lessons and I stick them on the page where I've learned the particular lesson and I've been doing it throughout the book I'm now almost done with the book Uh, but there are things that I have learned so far and I wanted to highlight them in this podcast because I felt like they were really important and they could also be learning lessons for you too and one of the things that I've realized as I read those books is that I quite resonated with Michelle you know that's why I say we are friends we just don't know it but I really really resonated with her story Um, there's so many things to unpack from that book and there's so many lessons so the ones that I'm going to talk about are the, the ones that were easy to unpack because <laughs> there's some that require a lot more time to talk about On this podcast, and I promise I will talk about them because they're really heavy topics. But the ones that I'm talking about today are also heavy as well, but they're easier to unpack and they're very important as we move on in life. So I'll go right ahead um, with this. So one of the lessons I learned number one was failure. There's a part of the book where she says that failure is a feeling long before it becomes an actual result. And that is the truth of the matter. Failure is a feeling and it begins in your mind. So if you already anticipate that you will fail, it is very difficult for you to achieve that which you want to achieve. Because even success it all begins in the in the mind and it in, and you know that's how they say like if you're a Christian, you know the the verse that says um guard your heart from 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 it." um um is comes out the wellspring of life and part of God in your heart is saying is 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 looking at things from an optimistic kind of uh, way like is the glass half full or is it half empty and failure if you have processed it as a feeling long before it becomes an actual result then you're actually going to get it as a result so that was a powerful lesson for me Number two was believe. You know, um, so Michelle talks about, uh, I, I think it's a school counselor who did not believe that she could get into an Ivy League institution like Princeton and so just told her not to even try. And there's a lesson in it, you know, that teachers who don't believe in you shouldn't inspire you. Not to believe in yourself. And I know that all too well. Because I know teachers who did not believe in me. You know teachers who even had the audacity to say that in front of my mother. (laughs) Yeah I still think about them till today. Because in in um, in that sense of unbelief that they had in me. It propelled me to even work extra hard. And most of the teachers who didn't believe in me were my high school teachers. Yeah, they were my high school teachers. I, I still quite remember fondly, uh, not fondly actually. I'm <laughs> meeting with a teacher of mine years back. I was just smack in the middle of my uh my masters, and I had come home for like a, a short uh break, and um I was walking on the street and I met him and. So he asked me, he stopped me and he asked me, hi, how are you doing? What are you doing? And so I said, like, I do, I didn't quite remember him in a good way. So I was, uh, but I wanted to be polite and kind. So I said, yeah, I'm doing my master's. And for him, um, so he said, why are you doing your master's? He guessed a local university. And I said, no um in fact on the other hand I'm doing my masters abroad and I could see the shock on his face like he couldn't believe it like really you are (laughs) he was one of those teachers who didn't believe in in me uh but yeah Uh, he inspired me not to to believe in myself rather than not to believe in myself so that was a really good lesson um number three was um this is going to sound very silly, but it's something that I resonate with. A unicorn. Now, you might wonder, what does a unicorn have to do with a book? It's not even an existent creature. And that's exactly it. Um. So there's a part in the book where Michelle describes the attributes of Barack, ending with the sentence, to me, he was sort of a unicorn unusual to the point of seemingly <laughs> almost unreal wow and i know that feeling all too well when when you meet somebody and you're probably not dating or anything but you meet somebody and the kind of connection that you have just drives you to say oh my goodness i am pretty sure I have met my unicorn, and it's a great feeling if it materializes for you amazing, amazing. so I'm so glad it materialized for Michelle that feeling of having a unicorn and that it's led to their many years of marriage. yeah, you can always guess i I love love <laughs> anyway, Number four is um assurance, so the thing is um this was a part um, of their relationship where Michelle felt like the feeling was steady and reliable. And she says that, um, you see, when it comes to that part where the feeling is steady and reliable in a relationship, it gives you one less thing in life to question. This life has so many things that you can question. You can question your abilities. You can question your sense of security you can question your sense of even job security you know you can you can question so many things but when you're in a relationship that is steady and reliable it gives you one less thing to in life to question and it's such a a beautiful space to be in so yeah learn the gift of assurance number five uh, make time for people so this was in relation to her friend, Suzanne, who had died of cancer. Suzanne, as I remember, was her roommate, a very outgoing and and uh, full of life kind of girl who couldn't settle. All she loved up to was to have fun and to travel. And that's all she did. And she did that up until the point where she got sick and died of cancer. I think that was when she was about 26 but she lived her life to the fullest. And uh, so Michelle had been keeping tabs on her, sending people to check on how we were in the same city as her. But when her friend called and said, you better make your way down, she took the next flight to see her friend on her deathbed. So that is the thing. Make time for people who you love. Um, Number six is anchor. Hmm. So... In a relationship, the thing is, one party could always end up swallowing the other. There's a need for one, for you yourself, to anchor yourself on your two feet. Um, This is because sometimes you might date this incredible, and even marry this incredible person. And uh, their sense of... uh, awesomeness might swallow you into becoming who they are instead of staying true to who you are you might end up picking up their habits their 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 interests their the things that they love and forget about who you are before the relationship started you forget who you are and you forget about the things that also matter to you so you need to anchor yourself on your two feet such that even as you you integrate with this person you don't forget your core values you don't forget your core interests you don't forget the entirety of your being so anchor yourself whenever you're in a relationship especially when you're in an amazing relationship Uh uh-huh number seven is mentorship so michelle talks about two women who are absolutely influential in her life and those are susan cher and valerie Jarrett, and the way she speaks about these women and what she learned from them about being career women about choosing um to uh choosing to put their families first no matter how steadily they they climbed the ladder of their careers they were still able to prioritize their family but also at the same time perform so well at their jobs that balance was incredible to see for michelle because it also gave her the hope that she could also create such a balance in her life as she moved on so it's also important to have people who've gone ahead of you and they can be able to show you that it is possible to do some of these things it's always good to infer from people um number eight is optism now this one is a very interesting one. I think it's like one of my favorite lessons in so far in the book and this is when um Barack wanted to first run for office and of course um as a normal couple when you infer with each other and you kind of um, come together and make decisions collectively and get each other's blessings because it's important that you're on the same page when you're making huge life decisions especially to do with family and career and as usual Barack came to her and was like I- I'd, ra- I'd want to do this and of course Michelle was like uh, you know the politics how it works yes yeah you're barely gonna change anything anyway and you're gonna get frustrated but Barack was like but maybe I can I can change something. And that's when Michelle actually says it. That it's not your job to interfere with anyone's optimism. Optimism, sorry. Um it's not your job to interfere with anyone's optimism. So if you see somebody being optimistic about the things that they want to achieve rather than bring them down, look at where you can plug in and support them. It's very important, especially when it comes to people who are close to you. By the time they're telling you that they really want to achieve something, it's because they value your opinion. So for you to come and rain on their parade and saying, yeah, yeah, I don't think, yeah, don't do it. Yeah, don't cut your cloth according to yourself. I think I talked about this in a previous uh, episode, but yeah. It is not your job at all to interfere with anyone's optimism. Let them achieve their dreams. Whether they achieve them or not, that's a whole other story. You will know how to go on from there. But don't be the reason why they don't go for their dreams. Um, number nine. Uh-huh. So number nine is upbringing. So we live, we basically live by the paradigms that we know. The way that we have been brought up, the people who surrounded us as you were growing up, the values we picked up from our families and the people close to us, the habits we picked up it, it could be minute things such as uh as time keeping there are people who can't keep time to save their lives, and it started from home. Somebody like me, the reason I keep time is because my father always kept time and he was the kind of person who would start driving out so that he chase the car. (laughs) But he taught me something about timekeeping and um, it could be small things. There are people who, even in tiny things like washing, uh, doing chores in the house, there are people who grew up leaving dirty dishes in the sink and going to bed and there are people who if you lived in a household like my mother's, there was no way anyone was going to bed with those dishes in the sink. How do you wake up to dirty dishes not in my mother's house? So, I can tell you for sure, anyone who has lived with me, and in this world, there are just two people who've lived (laughs) with me, they can tell you that I kind of made that a rule in our house. Like, we don't sleep with dirty dishes how do you wake up in the morning and we're trying to leave the house in the morning and there are dirty dishes in the sink that doesn't make sense also because we kind of had um shared duties if you are cooking you're basically not cleaning if you're cleaning you're basically not cooking for the day so it's, it's, your duty is actually quite fair right yeah they can tell you how it was but you see those those are just paradigms that i grew up with And then I go and live with people who have completely grown up in different countries and different households and with different values and everything. And they also come with the things that they've learned. Like I had a roommate who really could not go for like even like two days without eating homemade food. And for me, it's like if I'm completely Famished. I'm tired. I I come to the house and I can't do anything. I'm gonna eat whatever is there. If there's nothing in the fridge, I'm sorry. I'm taking a pack of cereals and I'm eating and I'm going to bed. It's not that big of a deal, you know. But for them, it was like, wow, you guys like really want to sleep hungry? Okay, I'll just cook. And that time it's like probably like ten in the night or eleven in the night, and I'm like, you can't be cooking at this hour. Also, another paradigm. I grew up with a father who past eight thirty, he would be wondering. Why are people still cooking in this house? No, really. By now, the food should be ready. Guys should be eating. People sleep early. You can't be cooking till late in the night. What is that? So for me, it was such a foreign concept to see people cooking even at 11 in the night. I'm like, really? You're going to cook at this time? I'd rather eat bread and sleep. But then again, that's the thing. Our paradigms and our upbringing really do influence our adult relationships. So when for Barack, he would say he's almost home and almost could mean anything from 30 minutes to three hours. For him, that was not, that was not uh, a big deal. And then you live with people who, when they say I'm almost home, they're literally like five minutes away from home. Uh, I, I know people who every single day at 9 p.m., everyone's in the house and they sit down to have dinner. And it's something that they've grown up with. But imagine now moving into a household where people eat dinner at any time. No, like others at 6.30 p.m. and others are eating at midnight. It's crazy. It takes adjusting to do. But that's the thing about adulthood. So you, you join forces with this person and then at the end of the day you say, okay, this is how I grew up. This is how you grow up. So how do we amalgamate the two and 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 now come up with something that works for the for the two of us in our household? Basically, that uh, that that is one of my greatest lessons. And then uh, number 10, uh, which is the last one for today, is chance. So sometimes in life, you just need one chance to show people who you are and how great you can be and for uh, for barack this was um the 2004 democratic national convention in boston uh where he was just basically an unknown barack who was known on probably as a a a small level he was known in illinois then and in chicago then but people didn't quite know him on a national level America is a huge country and this, at this very moment, he, this unknown Barack was boosted into the national political limelight. But the thing that really, really caught my eye about that is that the time Barack stepped on that stage where he was given the go-ahead to speak to the people, that guy was ready. He was ready for that call. All he had to do was speak. And you can obviously tell that uh, Barak has always been articulate. He's be, always been an, a good orator. He's always known how to have his way with words. And sometimes people don't understand how great you are or how great you can be. And you need to have that one chance to show who you are. And I think this actually goes for people who can open doors for people. If you know that you hold the key to a door that can change the life of somebody, please open that door for them. Because you might be unpacking a lion that has always been seen as though it is a cat all this time. So, and you who 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 is given that chance to show who you are, come prepared. Come prepared to show the world how incredible you are and the greatness that lies within you. That you cannot come to a platform like that totally unprepared and you don't know what you're going to do or what you're going to say. So that those for me were like the first 10 lessons that I I learned from this book so far. There's so many other lessons that I've still written like on sticky notes and, and I put them in between the pages of the book. But as I said, those are those are topics that will require will require me to unpack uh, on other days. Things like um, systemic poverty, absolutely incredible topic to tackle things about things like actually the how. Uh, students of color and especially international students navigate um, learning in basically all white situations. I know that all too well. She speaks about that in the book when she went to Princeton. And I know that all too well because I have been in situations where in an entire campus, I have been the minority. And by the minority, I mean about four people out of over 200 students or even like two people out of over a thousand students (laughs) and it's incredible that people don't quite understand what goes into the minds of international students when they're trying to navigate these new spaces new countries new environments where people don't look at them the same way they would look at themselves and it's it's crazy but there's so many things to unpack on on along those lines and i will do them soon enough in a in a different episode but for today that's what i wanted to give you and i'm so glad that you've made the time to listen all the way till the end of the episode and i pr- and i hope that you actually um carried one or two lessons one or two lessons i think as i said for me the, the most important lesson that i learned here Actually, my favorite is the one for optimism. Optimism, it's, it's, it's one of the things that I learned early on in life, and I still carry it to date. So for it to, for me to say it, it's just like completely been ingrained in my mind, um, and I'm absolutely glad that I'm reading this book. If you haven't gotten the book yet. I hope that you get it, you will learn a lot, especially for the ladies, even for the men. That's the thing, the, the lessons are universal. It's not just for the ladies, it's for every single person who can get their hands on this book. It will completely change your outlook on a lot of things and it will open up your minds to things that are beyond your comp- your, your your world and your space and And you will see the lessons that are in there are actually profound. they're actual gold. See you next time on my podcast. And I hope you enjoyed today. Bye-bye.